Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. I want to begin with this statement. The value of any item is determined by the price a person is willing to pay for it. Now, I know that doesn't make any sense at this point, but I want you to keep that thought in mind because when we go through the message, I believe that it will come to an understanding and hopefully it's going to challenge you a little bit as we go through this. I am sorry, these, maybe I'm going the wrong way. Yep. I did not. Somehow those slides are completely out of order, so I'll just wander through them. How many of you are familiar with that that's on the screen? How many of you have seen The Wonderful Life? If you haven't, you need to watch it because it'll do something for you. It's a story about a young man who puts himself, you know, guys, I'm so sorry. I build my messages around the slide and uh, it just does not operate. So I apologize for that because it, it just messes up everywhere that I'm going because for years I've built my message around the PowerPoint slides and uh, I don't use any other notes other than my PowerPoints and when it doesn't work, you're just left at the mercy of my preaching. (laughs) The story is a story about a young man who continually has to put his life on hold so that somebody else can have what they're not. It starts off with the fact that he puts his college training on hold so his younger brother can go. And then about the time he gets ready to go off to college, his dad, who has been the president and CEO of a building and loan association, dies And then he puts his life on hold to take over the savings and loan. And then after a number of years and things that happen in the midst of that, he comes in his life to the point of where he is considering taking his life and his guardian angel shows up named Clarence. And so the latter part of this movie is about how there is a realization on the part of this young man. He says, I wish I had never been born. It would have been better had I not been born. And so the latter part of the movie is a portraying of what life would be like had he not been born. 
things that happen because of his influence and his decisions and how it changed the life of people. Now, my whole point this morning is this. I don't want to talk about the event of Christmas. I want to talk about the purpose of Christmas. You see, one thing that has happened is we have, and I've seen this developing over the years. The life, the purpose, the reason for Jesus Christ has been romanticized. Until we now have a generation of people who really do not understand the real purpose of Christmas. Around my house, there's a lot of, of movies about Christmas. What are they called, Hallmark movies? And there's a common thread through all of those. And you know, it is the local moves off comes home for Christmas, meets their old romantic uh, when they were in high school. Uh, they break up whoever they were engaged to and they ultimately marry and, and, and live happily ever after. But in every one of them that have anything to do with Christmas, they're looking for a Christmas, what's the word, miracle. And you hear this often, Christmas is the time for miracles. Now, I, what, I have, what I want to communicate to you today is this. Is that you are important in the grand scheme of things that you, had you not been born, had you not lived, had you not endured and came through the circumstances of your life, the world would be different. And so I'm going to preach this morning from a passage of scripture that has nothing to do with Christmas, but has everything to do with you. In the book of Galatians, we read that, let me just read these words, Galatians 4, 1 through, we'll see what they do, okay? Now much of this probably wouldn't make, probably wouldn't make sense had you not, had we not been through the beginning of this. Again, I apologize to you. I am totally and completely embarrassed. You know, I feel like stopping, praying a prayer and going home. You know, and I, I, I'm, I apologize for that. But, you know, I am so concerned, not over our church, I am concerned about our church, but I am concerned about church in general. 
because I witness on Facebook, in churches that I visit, I witness a trend that scares me. Because I witness a people that often no longer value the word. They, they no longer think that it's applicable to them. Paul had the same problem. For instance, I see in the lives of believers the acceptance of things that are contrary to the Word of God, and often it is applied to... I want to back up. Thank you for fixing that, Pastor. I want to... Let me begin over. Much of the teaching of, the, of Christ has been romanticized. Now, what I mean by that? I mean that, that we deal with or describe an ideal or unrealistic fashion, something that seems better or more appealing than it really is, or less severe. Now, now I don't know if I can make myself clear. It's, it's, not, it's not as important that, 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 that I make this thing look good as it is that you get a message. And what I'm trying to say is that we, as believers, are believing a lie many times because what we're believing is acceptable, not biblical. And when we are biblical, we are labeled then as promoting hatred or we are supporting something like that. Now, let, let me look here. Let, let me, what do I mean by romanticized? I'm okay, you're okay. But ladies and gentlemen, you're not okay. Apart from Jesus Christ, we are not okay. And so, God loves everyone. Everyone is doing it. It's not that bad. God understands I'm only human. Things have changed. It's an old, outdated book. What I'm trying to impress upon you this Christmas season is, is that, that you need to stop and take stock of where you are and where you're going. Because, you see, the purpose in Christmas, and I hear this on television, and I see it in these Hallmark movies, and I see it in nearly, you know, this is the season for loving people. This is the, this is the season about giving. 
This is a season about family, and all of those are true, but ladies and gentlemen, it's, that's not what it's about. See, let's look on and look at this. I'm sorry, wrong button. You see, men, Jesus didn't come to make bad men good. Or are you, Jesus didn't come to make sick men well. Je, Jesus didn't come to, to give men a better life. You see, what, and here's my point, and I want to make this point, and please read the overhead. What one generation tolerates, the next generation embraces. What does it mean to embrace? It means to accept or support a belief or theory willingly and enthusiastically. See, we see that in same-sex marriage. Hallmark movies are now promoting same-sex marriage. Now, now many of you think that's fine. That's my concern, church, is that's not what the Bible teaches. You see what I'm saying? That concerns me because I've lived long enough to see that when you embrace this, it leads to this and leads to this. And I've lived long enough to see that. See, I've watched it in my lifetime. I have watched the church as the church in the name of loving Jesus and loving people, they have compromised what the word of God says. And now we have found ourselves where we no longer have strong convictions about the word of God. And I see this true around, uh, around Jesus. See, what does it mean to tolerate something, allow the existence, occurrence, or practice of something that one does not necessarily like or agree with so you don't say anything? So, so church... If we don't stand up for biblical truth, who is? What are you going to base your life on if you neglect the Word of God? You see, the why of Christmas is about lost men, dead men, without hope men. But you see, we don't live like we believe that. Going the wrong way, I'm sorry. See, we don't need to improvement. We need resurrection. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says, and you were dead in your sins and trespasses. Luke 19.10 says, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Isaiah says, your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God so that he does not hear. Matthew 1.21 says, he shall, she shall bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus because he's going to give you a better life. No. Because he's going to heal your sick body? No. What has he come for? He came to save the people from their sins. 
See, that's not bad. That's good. That's being honest that we have a need and he meets that need. That, that we're not drug addicts that need deliverance. We're dead men that need resurrection. We're not sick people that need healing. We are dead people that need resurrection. We're not bad people that need to get better. We're dead people that need a resurrection. See, that, that's the thing that, that when I, I see the compromise and it concerns me, we are in need of a Savior. We are in need of what Jesus brought at Christmas. But if we don't tell the truth, if we neglect the truth, if we concentrate on the baby instead of the deliverer, now, with that in mind, I want to go to this passage in, keep going the wrong way, guys. Let me read this passage, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. He begins with an illustration. He says, now I say, as long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, although he is owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by the father. That's an illustration. Here's his illustration. Let's see Pastor Noe and, and young Samuel. Pastor Noe gives to Samuel everything that he owns. Stipulates when he becomes 21 that all that he's been given now goes to him. But the Apostle Paul says, as long as Samuel is the child, he is no different than the other children simply because he, even though he owns it, he cannot have it because he has not yet met the stipulations of the father, which was at a certain age it happens. So he begins with that illustration. Then he says in verse 3, he gives us an explanation. So also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elementary, the, the elemental things of the world. What I'm trying to say is this, church. is that apart from Jesus, you are bound, I am bound to the base things. What I think, what I feel, what I see. We, we have seen that. In, in 2020, we have seen that. Does the Bible not say that no weapon formed against us will prosper? Does the Bible not say that? Then, why are we fearful about those things? You see, church, the Bible, Jesus came that we might have life and have it abundantly. And we keep looking at the exceptions other than looking at the rule. We keep saying, yeah, but. 
Yeah, but. Yeah, but these are, these are trained, uh, educated men. But they don't supersede the Bible. See, the, the, you know, that's what I'm saying is that, is that we're taking everybody else's word and, and instead of saying, this is what my Bible says, my confidence is in what God told me. My confidence is right here. I'm not held hostage by the base things. I'm not held hostage by the fleshly things. My life is bigger. My life is more perfect than. It's greater than. Than what's around me. You, you see, we've got to come back as believers to believers. Now, I know all of us love this this story that Christmas brings. It's precious. It's miraculous. It's wonderful. We all love this, the, the Romans 10 and, and 9 and 10, that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. That's, but ladies and gentlemen, you can't pick and choose what you believe in the Bible. And that's the trend that I see happening among many believers. We, we embrace the parts that we agree with and the parts that we like and the parts that are not hard. And, and then the difficult stuff, we say, well, I don't guess I understand that. Oh, surely God loves me and that doesn't apply. It does apply. And, and the reason I feel so strongly about this church is, is that because another part of this book says that in that day, that end day, that many will say unto me, Lord, we cast out devils. Lord, we did many wonderful things. Lord, we, we trusted you, but he says, depart from me. I don't want people to die thinking they're all right when they're not all right. Now, I understand that's not my decision. I'm not calling anybody lost or saved. I, I'm just trying to, 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 to jar us into, into thinking. In, because we're a, surrounded by a world that is influenced by, by so much more than the Word. I want to finish this passage. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. There was a time, that's what we're celebrating, Christmas time. Now we understand Jesus wasn't born at Christmas time, it did in December. Those that study those things, we understand that. 
you, you know, in, in, our, in our enactments, we see the wise men coming when Jesus was in a baby. That's, that's not, he was probably a toddler when the wise men got there. But you see, if you romanticize this life, this birth, if you miss sight of what he came for, that he came to give you and I life and that more abundantly. If we, if we minimize what the word teaches in one area and receive what it teaches in the other area, then, then we're setting ourselves up. And my concern is, and I'm going to show you that's what Paul was concerned about a little bit later here. Now, why did he come? He said in verse 4 that he came in the fullness of time. He sent forth his son, Jesus, born of a woman, born under the law. In other words, he was born just like you and I. He had the same life. He was born the same way. He came into the same kind of world that you and I came in. He came under the same requirements that you and I came under. But why did he come, church? Look at this verse, verse 5. So that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. What I'm saying to us today, simply put, if you're a child of God, if you've been adopted into the family, let's act like it. Let's live like it. Let's talk like it. Is that not what he came for? Look at this verse 6. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, an heir through God. Here again, I'm saying this. Are you a Christian? Do you count yourself a believer? Then you're a son of the Most High God, or a daughter, depending on your sexual you are a child of God. You are a child of God. Anybody here ever been embarrassed by their children? If you had children, you've been embarrassed by them. My point that I want to leave you with this morning is this. If you're going to say, I'm a Christian, if you're going to embrace the teachings of Jesus Christ, understand this, that it is not an ideology you ascribe to, it is a person that you give your allegiance to, the person of Jesus Christ. It is not to anything in this life that you answer, but you answer unto him who is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Look at verse 7. Therefore, 
you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, an heir through God. You see, there's the, there's the true Christmas miracle that you are a child of God. You are an heir to everything God has. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem you from the element, the element, the base, the elemental things of this life. Redeem you, adopt you, and give you an inheritance. Every one of us in this room that name the name of Jesus are a blood-bought child of God. We belong to him. We're in the will. We have an inheritance. What is our inheritance? Not just eternal life, but all that he promised. Now here's my concern, and here's, what, here's what's happened. We've gone from death to life, lostness to foundness, separated to accepted, sinner to saint, now here's the concern. Listen to what the apostle says. However, at that time, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those which by nature are no gods. Verse 9, but now, that you have come to know God, or rather be known by God, here's his concern. How is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless elemental things to which you desire to be enslaved all over again? Now, I realize that, that it's been quite confusing, and I apologize for that. I'm saying to you, as a child of God, you have been given the greatest gift of all, the gift of eternal life. You were dead, you are now made alive. You were a slave, you have now been redeemed. You have received an inheritance, not reserved, but provided today. See, you don't need healing when you get to heaven, you'll be healed. You don't need deliverance when you get to heaven, you'll be delivered. 
You don't need prosperity when you get to heaven. You'll be prosperous. You don't need provision out there. You need it here. And the Word of God clearly teaches us that as the children of God, He's given to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Now, what's lacking in everything? Nothing. The Word teaches He'll withhold no good thing from us, those who walk uprightly before Him. But the Apostle Paul said, this is my concern. When he's writing to this church in Galatia, he said, this is my concern. I'm concerned about this. Even though all of this other is true, even though at the right time God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, that he might redeem us from the curse of the law. All that's true. You know that. You have heard that. You have received that. But why? 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 That's the question. He says, why do you want to return to the base things? Why, why do you want to do what the unredeemed do when you're redeemed? Why do you want to behave like the unsaved when you're saved? What is the pull? What is the draw? What is the, the hook that we use, that he uses? And I'm saying to you, church, if we don't wake up, not just you, but all of us, the church in general, that we are losing our inheritance. If God wants me to live here, and I choose to live here, is that God's fault? No. If this is God's plan for me, because I'm his son, I choose to live down here, that's not God's fault. If, if, if the word of God promises me this, and I believe this, is that God's fault? You see, the word of God is for our instruction. It is for our correction. It is for our reproof. It is for discipline in righteousness. And when we neglect the word of God, we have no absolute in our life. You say when, when, when you choose to believe part of this and you don't believe the rest of this, at what point is what is truth and what is wrong? You see, we have got to have some standard by which we judge our lives. We've got to have some way because I'll guarantee you out there in the world, I'm okay, you're okay. But I'm going to tell you, according to the Word of God, we were men and women in need of resurrection, not improvement. 
What are some takeaway truths? It's time. Verse 4 talks about the fullness of time. Verse 8 talks about of, at, at that time. Verse 9 talks about but now. We have been redeemed and adopted. We have a father. We have an inheritance. And it is time to take our place as sons. Now let's go back to right here. The value of any item is determined by the price a person is willing to pay for it. Now let me ask you the question. Here, here's, here's what I want you to take away. What did the Father pay for you? That's what determines your value. Do you see that? What did the Father pay for you? That determines your value. If you see what the Father provided for you less than what it is that He provided for you, then your value is lessened. If all you see that the birth of that baby in that manger, if all you see is a ticket out of hell and a ticket into heaven, you're going to live below your sonship. If, if all you see in the birth of that little baby born of a woman as miraculous as it was, if all you see is the baby in the manger a long time ago, if you don't understand that what he did for you, he came and said you were dead in your sins and trespasses, I resurrected you. You were bound by the elemental things of the world, I have delivered you. You were controlled by the lust of your flesh. I gave you new power. Our perspective of what God did in Jesus has got to be elevated to a biblical view. We must understand that he just did not come to give us eternal life. He came to give us more than eternal life. And ladies and gentlemen, unless you and I embrace that, we're going to be swept along with everything that this world throws at us. This is going to be the last resort instead of the first resource. If all we see that being a Christian is, is just a way to live a better life, to raise better kids, we're missing it, church. Jesus 
came that we might have life and have that abundantly. Jesus came that we might be delivered from the curse of the law. Jesus came. What's your opinion of that? How, how do you see yourself? Our, our adopted son, soon to be 50, we adopted him when he was four days old. And I don't know if you know it or not, but children can be cruel to one another. And one of the things that, that our son, as well as many adopted children, deal with is the ridicule of other people concerning their adoption. You know, just some cruel things that could be said. And one of the ways that Jim Ed learned to deal with that was he simply told them, your mother and daddy didn't have a choice. They had to take what they got. My mother and daddy chose me. Now, what am I saying? You see, without Jesus, you don't have a choice. You just get whatever comes. Whatever life throws at you, you just have to embrace it. Whatever it tells you, you just have to agree with it. But you see, as an adopted child of God, as a chosen vessel, as a holy priesthood, you had a father that chose you. He looked down through the eons of time and he saw that there was going to be a Jim Hardaway and a Danny Wolf and on and on and on. He saw that and he said, I want that one to be my child. Now as that, you and I, need to understand that because of that redemption and because of that born again, because of that chosen, you and I now have a responsibility to our Father to embrace what he's told us. Do we not? I think we do. I think how we live our life matters. I think where we go matters. I think what we believe matters. Why? Because of my father. How about you? Is your life any different because of who you belong to? What family you're a part of? I'm just saying, church, let's embrace all that Christmas has for us. Let's embrace the full Jesus. Let's begin to be men and women 
whose life reflects the Father who we belong to. That's all I'm saying. I went a long way around, but that's what I wanted to tell you this morning. That's what I wanted to challenge you with. Unless you and I act like we belong to somebody and that somebody has given us an inheritance that is far greater than simply dying and going to heaven. Thank God we do. But it's so much more than that. It's so much more rich, so much deeper, so much broader, so much more awesome. He really is your helper in time of trouble. He really is your friend in lonely times. He really is your physician when sickness comes. He really is your hope when hopeless situations arise. Let's don't use the Father as a last resort. You know, the truth is most children, even in the natural are far more prone to call out to their children in times of trouble than in times of success. Well, Daddy, I, I just need, you know, I didn't realize those tires cost that much. And uh, Yeah, I know. And because we love them, we meet them at the point of their need. Let's make Christmas about the whole Jesus. Let me ask you this morning before we close. Has the Spirit of God quickened on the inside of you a new revelation that you are his child. He's a personal God. He loves you. When you were at your worst, he loved you. When you're at your best, he loves you. When you're doing good, he loves you. When you're not doing good, he loves you. His love is, is the constant thing in this church. His love for you never changes. He loves the grossest sinner as much as he loves the greatest saint. That's not the issue. The issue is what do we lose by not being who he has redeemed us to be? Is he our first or our last resort? Do we go to him first or do we go to him having tried all the elemental things. Left to ourself, I'm fearful as Paul was fearful that we tend to embrace the natural and miss the supernatural. I don't know what God's done in your life today. He's taken me from confusion to exaltation. But I know this. 
I know in whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against this day. I know his word is absolutely true. Do I understand it all? No. Do I like it all? No. Do I? But I know it's his word. And after about 50 or 60 years of living life, I have found this to be the most beneficial instruction that I have received. I have had it supersede doctor's diagnosis. I have had it supersede banker's balance sheets. I have had it supersede people who are angry. I have had it supersede in times when I needed favor. I have had it come real in the middle of the night in a fitful worry experience because it's his word. I recommend his word, his person, his spirit. I am the child of God. I am a child of God. If you're a child of God, church, let's begin to say no to the world and yes to him. You say, what do I need to say no? You need to say no to what this word says no. You know, one of the things that I see back to those Hallmark movies is the promoting of, of drinking alcoholic beverages. Have you ever noticed that nearly every meal, whether it's Blue Bloods or, or a Hallmark movie, that when they sit down to drink, sit down to eat, they have wine? Have you noticed that? Now, I've, no, I've noticed that. Do you know what? Lots of Christians, church members, are wine drinkers. And, and you know what? I just recommend to you the word. You know why I'm a teetotaler? Because the Bible says that I put, my, I put myself in a position that I don't need to be in if I drink. Oh, but I'm not a drunkard. I didn't say that. I'm just saying, what does the Word of God say about what we're doing in our life? What does the Word of God say about what we're embracing? What does the Word of God I read recently where someone that had been involved in a homosexual lifestyle had, had passed away and, and they said he had gone to, to, to his heavenly reward or to be with the heavenly father or something. Is that what the word says? But you see, that's a hate statement. No, 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 no. It's a Bible statement. 
I don't hate anybody. I want everybody on the face of the earth to come to the forgiveness of their sins in the life in Jesus Christ. But I, I can't embrace what the Word doesn't embrace. Can you? Not, not in the name of the love of God. Does God love us? Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Would you stand with me? I want to pray. Father, I don't understand all things, but I don't have to. I just put it over there in that file of things I don't understand. But Father, I just pray that as sons and daughters of the Most High God, Father, those of us who have come into our age, into the time, in the fullness of time, Father, help us as your children to embrace what you say, to do what it is that you instruct us to do, to believe what you instruct us to believe, to not romanticize to, to not try to say it's all right when your word says, no, 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 it's not all right. To, to, to not try to compromise, but Father, to be faithful in all we do. And I just give you praise and glory and honor. Father, we thank you for the birth of Jesus, for the gift of eternal life. But Father, thank you that life with you is about so much more than we can ever imagine. And we give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Lord bless you as you go. Enjoy your Christmas season. But I pray as you begin to open those gifts that you'll begin to say, Father, thank you for the gift the indescribable gift of your son, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, guys. Love you. See you next go-around. Thank you, Pastor Noe. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.